0: Oh yeah. Prophylactically, a prescription for Diflucan on the 14th day of every cycle, I would take one of these pills, and it would keep me from getting the yeast infection that month. Thing is, you can only do that for six months because it is so very bad for your liver.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So after six months, I had to stop taking the Diflucan. This this is just a band aid; didn't do anything to help the problem. When I had to stop taking the Diflucan, of course the yeast infection came back with a vengeance. Oh, cool.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive, thrive, through menopause. Welcome to another episode of thriving through menopause and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics and that's your gut. Well I actually think it's one of the key brains in the body. We've got our brain in our head but and we've got one in our heart but the gut is really the central brain of the body. If that's not working like nothing's working right. And having just spent the last you know, couple of weeks watching this 10 program Gut Solution, it just made me really think about how much we actually know scientifically, but how little of that information is getting to people like you out there so that you can make a change. And lots of us have guts that aren't well, and it's the reason we don't feel well. It's why we're putting on weight. It's why our hormones are all over the shop. So today I am so excited to have Laurie Seeley on the program. She is a functional medicine health coach. Welcome to the show, Laurie.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We were talking before how like we're halfway across the world from each other and we can do this. I think it's amazing. Thank you so much.
1: I do. And you're in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. sunshine and and beauty, but um, you weren't always a functional medicine coach, were you?
0: No, no. Um, for years and years and years, I was a total music geek, and um, which I say lovingly. I love all my music geek friends. And I uh, sang in the opera, uh, in the chorus at the Lyric Opera of Chicago for 11 years. Um, and I guess I quit at kind of a good time. To, i like I got out of that at kind of a good time, I didn't know it at the time, of course, but um i I quit at the end of the season, which was last March in two thousand and nineteen, and I moved down to Florida from illinois and um and now, like all my friends are saying you know they've canceled the beginning of the season for next season, and um they're just they're really having trouble because of this virus that's seems to be going around and
1: uh <laughs> oh boy
0: <laughs> yeah I have a lot of thoughts about that
1: <laughs> I think I have quite a few as well which may not be always what you're hearing from the medics but... yeah it's not quite
0: as popular right the way that people like us think and no. feel about this sort of thing I I fully believe that of course, we should be protect, protecting ourselves and protecting others, but I think it starts with the making our own bodies a poor host for a virus.
1: Correct. Yeah, we are aligned on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I look at different countries because obviously I've got a family in the UK, and I was having this conversation with someone this morning, and I said, you know, one of the reasons you guys are having the issue is because you're. Diet and your baseline health is a shocker, you know, and having spent 15 years in Australia and I live in Sweden where the baseline level of health is much higher. We have a lot of people who have it, but they are very old, yeah? Whereas Mm -hmm. in the general population, it's not gone crazy. Australia's had very few, as has New Zealand, and their baseline health is just better, basically. There's a better diet, there's sunshine, everybody's exercising. And then and we have countries where it's not good. Yeah. In the Western world. In the Western world. Yeah. In the Western Western world. It's it's all this like chemicals
0: in our food and glyphosate in the produce. And the, just the way that we eat, the way that the general population chooses to not nourish themselves with their food, but just pile mm-hmm. calories into their bodies, we're all obese and sick. Yeah. And, and it's our fault. And I think, I mean, that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. We like these people in, the, in my country, in your home country, we, we're sick. Completely of our own doing mm. completely you know avoidable illnesses, and then on top of that, when whenever some sort of virus comes around, then those people have those comorbidities right
1: yeah. that
0: push them towards the ventilators and possibly death from this yeah. virus
1: yeah.
0: and i this is a, also a harsh thing to say, and I apologize in advance, but I feel personally affronted that I have to wear a mask in public to protect somebody who wants to eat McDonald's every day. I just, (laughs) like that for me, like, you know, I love everybody. I want to, you know, teach them how to eat better. And, but also it's not my responsibility. I feel like, but I know that there's a lot of people who would completely disagree with that and live your truth. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's wonderful. I totally get it, but I just really, yeah, that's a harsh
1: thing to say, (laughs) but it's how I feel. And I think that there is validity in that, Laurie. I mean, people's baseline health is very poor and their gut health is very poor. That's correct. Their gut health is very poor and I think listeners out there, we've all heard or experienced having things like irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you may have experienced candida. We hear about things like leaky gut, and I'm going to ask Laurie what all these things are. We hear what? about SIBOs, and, and all of these things are floating in our kind of conversation. And many people will have experienced one or more of these. I mean, Laurie, what's happening, and what are some of these very – Or increasingly more common um, issues that people are coming up against.
0: Right, so all of those things that you just mentioned, I have suffered with in the past and even SIBO like a couple weeks ago. So these things are not like you can eat a very good diet but then fall into old habits as far as like the timing of how you eat, which I'll get into if we have time. But that can bring some of those things back, right? So for me, because of lack of education about poop and what it should look like, which I think is super important, I was constipated most of my life. Mm-hmm. And I I had full-blown IBS from the time I was a child and I didn't even know it because it's all I ever knew. Yeah. And so for me, that's how poop was. I didn't know any different it wasn't like I pooped in a comfortable way for years and then it switched to something else. And it's because of what I was eating. Like I was eating not McDonald's every day. I mean, that's extreme, but like I was eating McDonald's at least once a month, Mm -hmm. maybe once a week when I was a kid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and like my diet consisted of sandwiches and cereal and cookies. Mm -hmm. And then my mom usually made something pretty good for dinner, you know, chicken, vegetables, and yeah. potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes could be, you know, could take or leave that. But like, you know, a lot of pizza, you know, the standard American
1: diet, Ooh. that was my thing. Hmm. And I and, can re- relate to that because I remember Jamie Oliver, the chef doing a show in the UK with children. And he had kids who hadn't pooped in six days on this show. And when you looked at what they ate, they had pies, pizzas, chicken nuggets. There wasn't a vegetable or a piece of fruit in sight. And yeah. that was really shocking to me as someone who's always gone and pooped <laughs> every day. <laughs> you know, that, awesome. that is not that that is, and to be that constipated as a child is is terrifying. I mean, the damage to the gut must be huge. It's awful. And I would, my
0: form of constipation was not the, I don't poop form. It was, I poop tiny little balls. And that's why I have the Bristol stool chart hanging behind me behind my, uh, where you can see it. Listeners (laughs) can't see it. But, um, so number, it's like a scale of one to seven. Number one is constipation, tiny, tiny little balls. I used to call them goat turds. Yeah. Rabbit poo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rabbit poo, goat turds. It looks like that. And then, um, it goes gradually to number four, which is like awesome. I call that Nirvana poo. And then, um, And then it gets softer and softer till you get to number seven, which is basically just peeing out your butthole. And that's like total diarrhea. So, what I used to have is I would have the number one poo, the goat, goat, turds, rabbit poo, every day, nine times a day. Every time I sat on the toilet, a little bit of rabbit poo would come out. And then occasionally, we're talking once a month, once a week ish, I would have diarrhea. Yeah. And so that's a form of IBS. I had no idea. And after the diarrhea, I would always feel so much better. Cool. Because, because because finally everything, yeah, things like emptied out and went through. And that's how you're supposed to feel every time after you poo and anything else is not okay. Not normal. Not good. No, like we, And this is the education that people need to understand, right? I wish I had known that when I was 12 years old and cognizant of how I was pooping. If one doctor had said, hey, Lori, what does your poop look like normally? And had a Bristol stool chart, I would have pointed to number one. I'm like, oh, it looks like this one all the time. And he'd be like, you're constipated. Let's look at your diet. Leslie, you know, that's, that's what I needed, but no, instead I went ahead and then, so that's IBS, right? You can have like either constipation, you're not pooping, you're pooping tiny little balls, or you've got the diarrhea all the time or a combination of the two, right? Right. That's, that's basically IBS, but then you asked about candida, right? So, so like candida is a yeast, that exists in most healthy guts. Yes. It's, it's just, it's around, it's a thing that's there. It is in its regular yeast form, where it's not overgrown. It is neither harmful, harmful nor helpful. However, there are some studies recent that are t- trying to prove how it may be helpful in its yeast form. But the question is still out there, who knows? But when you kill all of the good guys in your gut, all of the healthy bacteria, which we commonly call probiotics, yes. when, when those are killed off, and we can talk about how those get killed, mostly by the standard American diet and other habits that we have, right? When when those get killed off, then that leaves the door wide open for candida to overgrow. Yeah. And because you're basically, you're killing all that stuff and you're leaving this mansion for Candida to just procreate and have a good time (laughs) and have a party in there. And so then it it changes though once it gets to be that prolific it changes into a fungal form of candida yeah, yeah. which then is dangerous and it also it needs places to expand and these are places in our bodies where we normally do have some healthy bacteria yes. but if we've killed it off in our gut we've killed it off in other places as well so it goes into the vagina yep. the nasal passages mm-hmm. the mouth the lungs, the bronchioles, the brain. Yes.
1: And that's why a lot of women have thrush because that's candida overgrowth from the gut to the vagina and we kill off the candida, but we don't treat the root cause. Yes,
0: exactly. And that's what was happening to me for years. I was getting these recurring yeast infections and I didn't have any education about this Either this is another place where my doctors definitely failed me. Um, I was going every year to my yearly checkup, and they would ask me about issues, and I would say, "Well, yeah, I get yeast infections, you know, like probably every other month," hmm. and that is a lot. Yes, that that's really a lot. That's something to be scared about. Nobody yeah. told me to be scared about that. No. I had to learn that on my own. So that's messed up. And then it eventually came to the point where I was getting like the over-the-counter creams didn't work yeah. anymore to kill it off, and so then I went to uh, sort of an oral antifungal called Diflucan. Oh yeah, and yeah, and I would take that anytime I got a yeast infection. But for mm-hmm. that, of course, you have to go to the doctor for a prescription, and then uh, and it's very bad for your liver, which just like. It, Cascade of so many other problems. Yeah going from that right and then mm-hmm. And then eventually I I Told my doctor I'm getting a yeast infection before every period, but then my period comes in it goes away And she's like, okay, so so then she gave me prophylactically a prescription for diflucan on the 14th day of every cycle I would take one of these pills and it would keep me from getting the yeast infection that month Thing is, you can only do that for six months because it is so very bad for your liver. Mm-hmm. So after six months, I had to stop taking the Diflucan. This this is just a Band-Aid. didn't do anything to help the problem. When I had to stop taking the Diflucan, of course, the yeast infection came back with a vengeance. Of course. Worse. <laughs> yes. Worse than it ever was before. And this like this story, like you have no idea how many times I talk to clients and they're telling me my story back yeah, to me. Right like back it's, to it's the exact yeah. same thing. I'm yeah. like, yep, I know where you've been. I've done that before. Yeah. It's not your fault. You didn't know. <laughs> and and the doctors should have known. But That's, they
1: don't. But they don't. They don't. I mean, this is, They're this not taught. Reality of I mean, I had a period in my life when I had exactly the same month after month with. horrible thrush, it's a revolting thing. It's a sort of yeasty, bitty, cottagey cheese ick that's coming out of your vagina. And you think, what have I done? Am I a dirty person? Yeah. And and there's a lot of very unpleasant emotional sides to this, which Mm -hmm. make it better. It makes it even worse. I was
0: totally wondering, like, am I wiping wrong when I poop? Like what, what is happening here? Because I know that if a little bit of poop gets up there, it's going to cause a yeast infection. It's just, it just does. So I, so I went straight there. I'm like, I'm, I'm pooping in my vagina. I don't know how I'm doing this every single month, but that's not what was happening. It's not, it's the the hormonal fluctuation at that time just allowed it to happen because you have this pH change in your vagina, you know, at certain times of the month. And it allowed that to happen and to get, you know, Cause I had too much yeast in there to begin with and it was a fungal kind and yeah, that's really bad. And so then I got to a point where I had a, um, a yeast infection that wouldn't go away. I couldn't take Diflucan for it for an entire year. And yeah, and part of this year, like it started with a week at Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Oh, the worst! I didn't have any of the little tricks about like like using garlic or anything like that. I, I didn't know it. I didn't know anything to do. I was not at home. I was you know far from home, living in Illinois at the time and in Florida at Disney, and had a scratch uh, an itch I couldn't scratch because there's kids everywhere. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs>
0: whoa! That was it. Was awful. It was so awful. And so then that year, I. I did. I kept going back to doctors. I I tried different things, and then finally, I just I figured it out myself. I found a health coach, yes, and this person helped me through it. And I changed my diet, which at first was incredibly difficult because you know you've. I found myself literally crying in the produce section yes. because I I. I had only just started being educated about this stuff and I understand that anything that's digested as sugar in your body can raise your blood sugar and feed candida. And so, not that I was a big rice eater before, no. But, but no rice, no pasta, no bread, and that's pretty much all I used to eat.
1: So. <laughs> So, so you've taken away everything and that yeah, like now what, I now what I eat. Yeah. Yeah. And really and no dairy either. Yeah. Likes dairy as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so I'm in the produce section going, I don't know what to do with any of this stuff. And all I can see is the fruit, and I know I can't eat that. And just crying, just like, what do I buy? I need to I'm and so hungry. So hungry yeah. I had no idea what to do and I would just like weep and I'm so, I was so happy when I finally found this health coach with like all the recipes and then and then I had you know I had a list of things that I could buy and cook for myself and
1: I was like oh now I know what to do. But that's exactly and then, what people need to be able to do to stop this. I mean mm-hmm. it is totally related to what we put in our mouths, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and some of the other things
0: that, like, that we just don't realize because they're things that doctors give us to um, quote keep us healthy. Yeah, we're actually killing off my good bacteria. So, like, for years, anytime I had a tickle or a anything going on with like runny nose, I would go straight to the doctor and ask for a pack because I was a singer and I couldn't have this post-nasal drip. I couldn't oh. have bronchitis. I needed to sing. So oh. I would get a Z-Pak. 10 days later, I was fine. Uh, but guess what? Without the Z-Pak, 10 days later, I would have been fine.
1: You would because it would have passed.
0: Uh-huh. And And my body would have learned how to deal with it on its own. And that, that thing, like I, I'm forgiving myself for doing that, but I know that it also, it killed all my good gut bacteria. So that and birth control pills, you know, I didn't realize at the time that progesterone is a steroid. It is.
1: <laughs> hey. Oh, yes. So we are taking steroids <laughs> in our bodies. If we are injured, we are given uh, cortisone. That's another mm-hmm. steroid. It's very, very common to have cortisone creams, cortisone tablets, and then the fun one, antibiotics. Yes.
0: And that's all killing all of the good guys in your body. You're you're ruining your immune system and. A couple times I was given steroids at the end of a cold as well because the inflammation just wouldn't go away. And so instead of just leaving me alone and letting me gradually get rid of the inflammation over the course of the next couple months, I would take the steroids that my doctor gave me because I trusted them and I would take them and it really helped. I mean, at the time, but then the next time you're sick, it's so much worse. You know, because you didn't allow your body to fight it off on its own, and it doesn't go away. It feels like it goes away, but it doesn't go away. It sits there and stews and then it revs up again. and the next time it comes back with a vengeance, the same way my yeast infection did when I kind of shushed it before. yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. and so these these things they're killing the gut bacteria, and there's that, and then I didn't always buy organic produce, no. And so that's something that I put together later on too. organic or non-organic produce. We shouldn't call it conventional because there's nothing normal about it.
1: Nope.
0: Organic produce should be called conventional. That's the way we grew stuff for years yeah. and years and years Thousands. without putting weird stuff on it. Yep. Right? Yep. That's conventional. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: The stuff that we spray bug spray on is not Conventional shouldn't yeah. be called conventional, shouldn't have this like label of normal because no, and not. that's
1: Roundup essentially. But right. It's well, glyphosate. It, yeah, and it's very toxic to the body.
0: Right. And and it's it's bug spray. So I feel like in the produce section, it should be labeled clean food, food with bug spray on it like that's how it should be labeled because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then possibly things would actually change and people who don't have the education, like I didn't have the education when I was killing my gut bacteria, they'll look at that and say, "Oh, that's what that means." Mm-hmm. Because they right now the way that it's set up in our produce section, the organic stuff looks special. It looks like they make it look like this is what rich people eat.
1: Yeah. This is I'm what this is what
0: privileged yeah. This is what the privileged eat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other stuff with the bug spray on it because it's yeah, it's cheaper to grow with bug spray, right? Yep. That stuff is not labeled correctly. It's labeled conventional and people are like, Well, I'm not special enough to have the privileged stuff. I'm gonna eat this. Yeah. And then of course they're getting sicker and guess who's dying from COVID nineteen?
1: Yeah. Because our right gut, because our gut microbiome is not functioning. Cool. Right. Or it's just right. it's just destroyed by right. glycophosphates, antibiotics. And steroids in various forms. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's 80% of your immune system. Mm. So, really, the immune system that's in your gut, that's where 80% of the immune system is, right? Mm. And that the job of that is to keep everything calm, mm. right? Yeah. So, like, I think we don't realize that most of the time when we're exposed to a virus or a bacteria from the outside, like whether we breathe it in, eat it drink it, whatever. What's supposed to happen is that goes into your gut Mm -hmm. and the the stomach acid in your stomach kills a bunch of it off. And that's something that we should talk about too, reflux later. Um, The stomach acid kills it off, right? And then whatever makes it through there gets beamed at by enzymes in your small intestine. And then in your large intestine, well, then all the bacteria gets at it and kind of holds the virus's hand and yep. carries it out your back door.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right? But it doesn't do that if they well, are there.
0: Right. So if those things aren't there, if you don't have the stomach acid, if you don't have the enzymes, and if you don't have the good gut bacteria, they can't do their job because they don't exist. Yep. So what happens is that those viruses leak out of your gut into the the rest of, (laughs) into the rest of your body and they create inflammation because then the other 20% of your immune system has to go to work. Yes. Right. And that's where we get the inflammation and we get the draining sinuses and all of the mucus. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not your body being broken or being sick. That's your body working exactly as it's supposed to when there's a virus attacking. Yes that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. So if the virus made it through your gut without going out your back door, that's where it's going to be. It's going to be in your bloodstream exactly. and it's going to be causing all of these flu and cold symptoms for you. Yeah. But But Absolutely. you have no idea how many viruses a healthy gut is exposed to and you just never know. No. You don't need to know. Your no. immune system is like, yeah, you're cool. I'm just going to carry you away now. Flush you down the toilet. Everything's yeah. fine.
1: And of course, <laughs> when your gut doesn't work, function properly, it affects your brain and mo- your mood as well, doesn't it? Yes, because of all that inflammation, right?
0: So um, you mentioned leaky gut too. Yeah. So leaky gut can be caused by all of these things that we were talking about before. So like if you have a uh, gut imbalance, like you have too much of one bacteria, not enough of another, or you don't have like almost any bacteria, and then you have an overgrowth of something like Candida, H. pylori, or or some other sort of foreign invader like a parasite, <clears throat> then those things kind of actually eat through your gut lining and destroy your gut lining. Yeah. And then and then what happens is undigested food leaks through into your bloodstream yeah. and creates inflammation because yeah. your bloodstream isn't used to seeing a chunk of broccoli in it. No. Your immune system is used to seeing little molecules, you know, like tiny itty bitty cells of the digested food, right? Yeah. So it's it's seeing, you know, oh this is protein, this is fiber, this is whatever, this yeah, is yeah. sugar, right? And your body can recognize that. But when it sees broccoli in its full form, it's like, I don't know what to do with this. I have to attack it. And then you're sensitive to broccoli, right? Because after a while, like if you, if you eat a lot of it with leaky gut, now you've got antibodies for broccoli, which
1: is like a mind boggler, but that's what happens. Yeah. And the gut lining's pretty thin, isn't it, Laurie? I mean, it is like one cell. I mean, it's not like it's a great big thick thing that the, the bacteria have to push through. It's, it, your gut's really quite thin. So if mm-hmm. there's a little hole and things are not quite right, things pop out quite quickly. They'll go right through. I mean, yeah. there, is, there
0: is protection that's supposed to be there. Like the inside of it is like a carpet, kind of. Yeah. It's got these little, they call them villi microvilli that are kind of, they're supposed to be standing up and moving around, right? I'm like wiggling my fingers right now. You people can't see that. But, <laughs> little but it's, yeah, it's supposed to be there, like, like a nice plush carpet, right? But then when your gut gets damaged, it turns into, it looks like a 1970s shag rug. And it's all kind of like mutilated and mangled and together. And then those things, they get twisted together and pulled apart. And then it makes these holes. So there's, there's supposed to be sort of a fence for you that lets tiny itty bitty particles through uh, digested food. But when it's mangled, then you've got like, you've got gunshot wounds in your fence Mm -hmm. and the, and food can get through there. So you've you've got chicken, bread, broccoli, just like Yep. Going right through there undigested. And your body responds to that with antibodies.
1: Yep. And we get food allergies. We get mm-hmm. flame inflammation in other spaces. The gut itself is inflamed because it's damaged and trying to... Repair. Right. So we- and then down the road, that causes autoimmunity. Yes. And that that's why we're also seeing, isn't it, such a rise in autoimmune diseases because our gut is so damaged so we're right seeing Crohn's we're seeing increases in well IBS is a form of autoimmune isn't it
0: yeah I think the IBD is the auto like the yeah. autoimmune disease
1: disease yeah it's about
0: disease but that's like but that's a specific diagnosis with an invasive test right yes. and 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 it shows, like, actual, like, you know, I think Crohn's is a version of IBD.
1: It is, yeah. My husband. Yeah. So,
0: yes, yeah. What? So, yeah. like, to, to have IBS, you don't have to know that it's IBD. You have to do the, you do the same thing about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it is kind of, it's the beginning of autoimmunity.
1: Because mm-hmm. you're, you are basically fighting everything till you can't handle anything. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, so many people with
0: candida overgrowth, they find that they're, up, they're not treating it right. And then they find that they are reacting strongly to everything they eat.
1: Mm.
0: And so like the, the circle of things that they can eat without feeling awful is so, so small.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: it's really bad. I'm so grateful that I, once I finally, like it was about 10 years of me going, no, it's not candida. No, it's not candida. No, it's not candida because I really didn't want to. But once I did, I'm so glad that I wasn't there yet where I couldn't eat anything. Like it was really just the big common, you know, bread, pasta, sugar, milk, well dairy, right? It was just, it was really those. And to me, that's not as difficult. It was a hard diet, I gotta tell you. It was a hard way to eat. It's, yeah. only, it's you know, it's there um, therapeutically, and that's it. But I can't tell you how many people are in my Facebook group who are like, they've got this different mindset that they're like, yeah, I'm living with Candida and IBS, and it's so hard. And I'm like, why aren't you doing something about it?
1: Yeah. yeah. It doesn't
0: have to be like that. You don't have to. No. Like food sensitivities do not have to last forever. You can turn around your autoimmunity. You there's there are things that you can do, steps that you can take, and you don't have to just leave it there. You can repair your leaky gut. It doesn't have to stay that way. No, you know. I just I don't get like how people can be in this mindset that oh, this is just what I, you know, this is what I have now. I have candida overgrowth and it's just going to be this way. No, it just gets worse. Like every year there's fewer
1: things that they can eat. (laughs) Yeah, that's really tough. But I mean, if we say you can heal it, I mean, what are the steps that people have to take on board, Laurie, to start to heal these things? I mean, where would you start with someone who says, I've got candida overgrowth, where do we where do we even start there so where i
0: start with with my clients is we first do a gut cleanse which that sounds difficult and huge and it kind of is but that's where you have to start because if you start taking herbal supplements that kill candida and it doesn't have an exit route you're going to be in hell like that's going to be super uncomfortable mm-hmm. so really it's important to do something to get your bowels moving, yeah, right. That's the first step because that's our biggest detox organ is the digestive system. And you yeah. just, the digestive system isn't an organ. I know that. Like I said, the that wrong, but, you know, bases, that's
1: <laughs> you know, that large intestine, balance.
0: Right. That's the. That's our our most accessible way to get rid of toxins. Yeah. And so you have to make sure that's going because if you suddenly have a bunch of dead candida in your body and it doesn't have anywhere to go, you're going to have like what they call a Herxheimer's reaction. Yeah. Some people call yeah. it die off, right? It's the same thing. That's that's how we feel when there's um, little dead candida bodies floating around everywhere. So yeah. like if you... This is why this is the first step. Like If you imagine a dead human body and all the gases and smells that it gives off, right? Yeah. If you have thousands of dead little candida cells in your body, they're all giving those same kinds of gases off and it's creating brain fog, headache, flu-like symptoms, fevers, joint pain, all of that stuff. You don't want that. So you want to definitely make sure the flow is going. And then we do... Other things like sort of simultaneously, we we change the diet, mm-hmm. so nothing that's going to digest like sugar digests yeah. like or into into sugar, right? So nothing yeah. that's going to raise your blood sugar in yeah. any way at all. Yeah. So that's our the anti candida diet,
1: right? Yeah, so that's and then no glu- no gluteny stuff, no pastas, no bread. No right, no wheat, no grains. No wheat, so they, no grains. yeah, they don't
0: necessarily have to have gluten in them.
1: Just no grains, no grains. Just no, Something yes, doesn't convert to sugar in the body.
0: Right, yes, and uh, the only fruit would be berries and green apples. Yeah, and only the equivalent of one cup of that every day.
1: Yeah, because they've got a they've got a high glycemic index for people, so they're they're good, aren't they, for the body.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. So um, yeah, normal people can eat all the fruit they want, but people with a candida overgrowth, it's not a good idea. Um, and so it's mostly vegetables and meat. And it's it's hard to do if you're trying to be vegan, mm-hmm. but it can be done. Yeah, And yeah, no grains, except for sometimes um, a little bit of brown rice or quinoa yeah. is okay, but no more than a cup of, no more, no more than a cup a day of a combination of brown rice quinoa and those fruits that we mentioned earlier, like one cup total of those things every day, (laughs) which is almost nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So it's mostly vegetables and everything has to be organic and um, pasture raised and all of these good things. So it's a very clean diet. So that, and then we take some herbal supplements that kill candida. So herbal antifungals. Yes. And then also you want to do a lot of things to support the liver as well. So there's some teas that support the liver. Um you want to make sure you're always pooping every single day, hopefully three times a day at least. Yes. yes. Um
1: yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> you're going three times a day. Oh my goodness. But that happens, yeah. doesn't it, on that kind of a diet. Because suddenly Everything is moving again. Yes. Yes. So
0: that's that's ideal. So for even for um someone without a candida overgrowth, you want to aim for three times a day pooping. If it's only once a day, you're still okay. But yeah. really, three times should be the goal. And definitely not skipping a day or having the tiny little balls, then that, that's just like nothing to be scared of, but your body's way of telling you, hey, something's off.
1: Yeah. And you need more fiber, more water, whatever, yeah?
0: Right, right.
1: And then after,
0: so those things, so first we clean out the bowels, right? And then we starve it with the diet and we kill it with the herbal antifungals. But then after you're doing that for a while, then it's time to reintroduce some of the good guys. So at that point with my people with candida overgrowth, that's when I introduce... Some really strong probiotics. Mm. And also at that point, I don't encourage fermented foods yet.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask about the, the sauerkrauts and the kimchies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not yet.
0: Not until we have some soothing going on mm. and some gut repair going on. Yeah. So there's also like once, so the the probiotics are part of the gut repair. Yes. And they do soothe the walls of the gut. And then we take some other things, some uh, metagenics, glutagenics, which has, you know, uh, what's it called?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's got out your head. (laughs) Laurie is giggling. She's the gut.
0: Yeah, glutamine. There we go. L-glutamine. Yeah. These things, I can remember the brand, the brands, Metagenics, Glutagenics, and there's yeah. also, um, anyway, and so that and- to
1: heal the gut and soothe it. To heal it. it, yes,
0: yes. And a lot of bone broth and collagen powder in, yeah. you know, like a hot beverage in the morning, yeah. that kind of stuff to yeah. soothe the gut. You don't want to do that at the beginning. A lot of people, they're like, oh, I have candida, I have to do all these things. Yeah. And they go for the probiotics and the kimchi uh-huh. and the- all the fermented stuff, and yeah, and the... Oh,
1: oh, all these, that when there's a whole...
0: Could I just kill myself that this word isn't coming to me? Anyway, all the, the stuff that's in the metagenics, yeah. they yeah. they use those things right away, and you're actually, and they start to feel worse because actually that feeds candida too. Ooh. Like, <laughs> so we don't want to take it right away. It, no. You know, it has to be a little later. It's a stepwise process to Yes, yes. It and that. it's also it's kind yeah. of like peeling an onion. So yeah. so we go back and forth, depending on how insidious your infection is, mm. go back and forth between killing candida and a little bit of gut repair. Then we kill some more candida, we do a little bit of gut repair. We don't always do it simultaneously. You kinda of, you hop back and forth between the yeah. two. And this is why it's really useful to have somebody who's knowledgeable to be guiding you with this yeah because
1: it's not easy to do yourself is it because you you right know what's going it's not a straight linear line is it go you do this and that happens if your gut's badly damaged it can take a lot of time can't it
0: it can and sometimes there's heavy metals involved as well because heavy metals and candida go hand in hand the um Heavy metals are actually worse for our body than candida, and I'm 46 years old. I'm of that age that when I was a kid, uh, mercury fillings were really popular.
1: Yeah, I had them too, and I had them all taken out. Me too. Yeah. What kind of dentist did you go to? Uh, I went to a dentist in Australia, and the first thing he said to me was, these things need to come out of your mouth.
0: Uh huh.
1: So have been out of my mouth for uh, nearly 20 years but that's was, wonderful you know, i have um i have a white a white filling throughout mm-hmm. and um he was like i'm getting out all of these because this is not something anybody wants in their body but right right they stuff it full of mercury still today cuz it's cheap yeah
0: i heard that there that that's still happening here in the us as well yes it shouldn't be um no. But there's a lot of misinformation about mercury fillings out there. So, um, So it's important when you get those removed that you get them removed at a holistic dentist. They have to have protection themselves. They protect you. It's like you've got this enormous dental dam and the only thing that's showing is the tooth that they're digging the yeah. mercury out of, right? Did, did they do it this way for you? It was like, there was like all this stuff hanging out of my mouth when I got my mercury fillings removed. I don't remember, and like, uh, I don't remember now.
1: <laughs> Probably,
0: yes. Yes. And I mean, that's how you want it done. There was one, um, I had one filling removed at a regular dentist. They did it, Without any of the protection, just started drilling. There was mercury flying everywhere in my eyes, in my nose, in my ears. I'm sure I had a huge candida flare after that. Yeah, this is bef- this was you know years ago before I knew what I know now. <laughs> huge flare after that because of the heavy metals. So what happens like when we have when you when you have the mercury fillings, and then there's a lot of other ways that we are exposed to heavy metals yeah. as well. But that's that's one that you'll be aware of for yourself. Um, that gets into your body. It off-gasses as you chew. Your jaw is one yeah. of your strongest muscles, right? Your That's... your jaw muscles, and and it gets off-gassed into our body as we chew, and then it's just in your body. It's in your fat cells, and Candida actually insulates it the same way uh, a live wire is insulated with plastic or rubber.
1: Yeah, nicely wraps around it and holds. Yeah, it. so your body takes this. Lesser evil
0: to protect you from the worse evil, which is the heavy metals. Yeah, and so that's how a lot of people sort of end up not being able to get rid of their candida overgrowth because your body's holding on to it, won't let go of it because it's protecting you from these heavy metals. So <clears throat> that was the last straw for me. I had to go in and take care of the heavy metals. And then a little bit candida would go flying. And then I had to do some candida detox and then back to the heavy metals, then back to the candida. I went back and forth, I think three times. Yeah. So that's something that, that can be part of it for a lot of people, especially if they're around my age and (laughs) have had those, those mercury fillings. I talked to a lot of people who've had mercury fillings removed the way that I had that one removed years ago. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then I started to have a lot of problems afterwards. I'm like, of course you
1: did. Of course you, yeah, because that's exactly <laughs> what the body does. But once right. people have been through the detox, the rehealing of the gut, then you're introducing the the other probiotics, the kimchi, the sauerkraut. Yes. Yeah, so after we do some nice, good healing, yeah. then you're in a place where you can eat like a
0: normal person, yeah. but like definitely um <laughs> maybe a little more healthy than the normal person like normal in quotes um yeah yeah so that's when you go for like kimchi and sauerkraut and um and even kombucha if you want to yeah. if you can find one that they don't add a lot of sugar yeah. to, so to at the I
1: end yes that's the
0: best way to make yeah. your own i also make my own sauerkraut which is super easy i had no idea it's so, just it's just cabbage yeah. and salt yeah, it's good. That's it.
1: Yeah. And you let it sit for a while. Like, what? <laughs> I had no idea. With kimchi, I do as well. I have some kimchi or um, pickled uh, ginger. Mm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Eat, don't eat a lot of it, do we? We just a little bit and it's so- Every day. Every day, a little bit. And I drink kefir, which is, you know, yes. you know like pure probiotic, straight. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fermented. uh um what do you use i have a um a turkish or a russian one it's fermented goat um, cheese
0: yes
1: goat. nice you can also make it with coconut milk
0: or mm. i have done it with cashew milk yes. and i actually make cashew milk myself yeah now you don't need a sieve for that it's the, it's the easiest one because they're very soft all you have to do is soak them and then blend it with water and add a little bit more water you got yourself yeah. some cashew milk it's Amazing. Amazing. So much cheaper than buying it in the store with all of the additives. Yeah. And all of the things that you maybe kind of, you look at the list of things on the <laughs> in the ingredients, you're like,
1: well, well yeah, maybe not. It's better than milk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, this is
0: great. It's just cashews and water. And then you can make kefir from that as well. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. So, so there's good. a lot
1: of things like that we can be eating mm-hmm. and drinking. Yes. Um, and that helps if you have IBS too, to sort of eat and drink in that way. Yeah?
0: Yes. So my my clients who only have IBS, they don't have to do the candida part of it. They've got it so much easier because they've caught it before it got that far, right? We always test, we always make sure. But if you've caught it before you got a candida overgrowth, you're so lucky because then all you have to do is eat a clean diet, not necessarily the anti-candida diet. You can have some like some some sweet things probably less than before but like some honey some maple syrup things like that monk fruit coconut sugar right yeah. and but of course they can't be the bulk of your diet still no. like like we go to um more vegetables and a lot of times if people are having a lot of uh, diarrhea as part of their IBS, we go to cooked vegetables rather than yes. raw yeah. for a while, like just yeah. therapeutically, just for a few months until until they've sort of balanced out their gut bacteria a little bit. And those people can usually, if they're not fighting a parasite or something like that, they can usually go for the high probiotic foods right away. Yeah. Because that's super soothing to the gut. And then they go for the, um, the glutagenics as well right away to yeah. repair. But we have to always figure out what it is that's causing the IBS. So a stool test is really, really important. Yeah. Because just eating better at that point doesn't usually do the trick. Unless the only thing causing your leaky gut is something like gluten. Because... Of course.
1: Gluten. Because
0: gluten can absolutely cause leaky gut. Yeah, yeah. By nature of it being itself, it can cause that. So, like, if that's your only problem, you take the gluten away and then you heal and you eat better and we're good, right? But we always have to do a stool test, a comprehensive stool test that gives you a wide picture of everything that's going on inside the gut and what your balance of bacteria is like inside there. And then we find out really what's causing your IBS and then you have to remove the cause, right? Yeah. 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 If, we, if we don't remove the cause, we keep irritating it. You can eat all the kimchi you want. It's not going to, you're not gonna get fixed. No, because you're not fixing the root cause. Exactly. So we go back to the root cause, figure out what's causing it, remove that, and then do all the healing that we talked about with the candida with a far less difficult diet, I believe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a little simpler and a little
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Because like you can have a little bit of brown rice, like you can have two cups if you really want to. Yeah. (laughs) In a quite day. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot, but I mean, like throughout the day, like you—you'd be surprised, you know, a little bit of like rice cake, and mm-hmm. then whatever you have with dinner, you know, sweet potatoes, that kind of stuff. Like you can, it's a little bit of more loose diet, but of course, it's going to be a lot higher in vegetables probably than what you were eating before when you had the IBS really bad.
1: Exactly.
0: I'm guessing because people who eat a paleo diet already for years and years and years usually don't have problems with ibs no unless they have some sort of foreign invader yeah that they haven't gotten rid of yet and that's like i know a lot of people who have exactly that issue
1: Mm. Mm. and And i've met a few who are very paleo and they still have it so there you've kind of solve that one and I should be going to my friend and saying, hey, you know what? There might be something under here.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because if you're eating
1: a very like a
0: sort of a paleo diet and you're still having IBS, there's something causing that. And you've already taken so many things out of your diet. Now what you're eating the most is you're going to be sensitive to if you don't take away the cause of your issues.
1: And sometimes we hear IBS is due to stress. What's your view on that? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is not bullshit. Stress is
0: very is very much a part of it because stress directly kills lactobacillus. And so, if you, this is two of my clients right now. That's their only problem. They have we did their their gut health profile, their stool test, and that's what we found is that they just don't have any lactobacillus no growth. That's what it came up. No growth, not just a low, like literally none. Wow. And we thought that they had a candida overgrowth. I'm so glad that we tested because they didn't. And they had been treating for candida for a few years. And then, you know, I was like, well, we got to do this test. No candida, just no lactobacillus. And that's because of stress, because stress can kills your gut bacteria. Yes. So many things that we expose ourselves to in this world can kill your good gut bacteria. <laughs> and stress isn't even like really a, a chemical that you ingest. It's a chemical that you excite in yes. your body. Yes. Right. So it's like, it has to do with uh, chronic in cortisol. Yes. That's going to kill your good gut bacteria. Yeah. It's awful because, again, cortisol is a steroid, right? Mm -hmm. Steroids kill gut bacteria. Yeah. It's coming all around.
1: So, yes. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Stress is definitely, definitely, like, a huge cause of IBS. And it can lead to all these other things with autoimmunity down the road, right? So, what I tell my clients for that is that, you know, just really the best thing you can do is every day do something that tells your body that it's okay out here Mm. because we have these days where we we get up with a you know alarm beeping at us and okay i'm in the shower i'm doing all this stuff i'm going to work and then after school we you know do all the after school activities and hurry up and have dinner and then go to bed rest now (laughs) boom you know yeah and that and then you get up and do it again the next day and that's that's how we live our lives. And we're like, I'm not stressed. This is normal. No, you have this chronic low level of stress every single day. And then God forbid you have a boss who annoys you or your kid's going through something awful at school, or, you know, maybe your main relationship isn't going so well. That adds a ton of stress as well. And so a lot of these things we can't avoid. Our lives are busy. Our yep. kids have after-school activities and we want them to. Yes. That's what it's like. And and there's nothing you can't really, like, if there is something you can remove from your day, that's going to make you happy to remove it. Do that, of course. But just some sort of something at any time during your day when you're going to remember to do it daily, you know, to just something. Like, what I do is I sit like every day before I start my work. And I just breathe mm. for about five minutes. I write in a journal. I even put a scarf over my desk to like make everything pretty. And like, now this is my meditation time. And I, and I light a candle and I have my hot morning beverage. And I just like, I do that every single day. And that's just my time. It doesn't take long. It's yep. five minutes, Yeah, five minutes. And, and it's this thing that I, repeat and my eyes recognize it, my body's my body recognizes it. And it's just something to tell myself, okay, the world is safe out here. You may digest, you may rest, you may procreate if you so need to. Yeah. You you can do these things and it's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Because if you're constantly with this low level of cortisol all the time, you can't digest your food. And you've got this steroid going through your blood that's killing your gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, it's not a good way to live. And it is how we live now. So we just have to remind ourselves, Yeah, you know, and that could be like, for some people, that's going to be going for a walk in the woods or running or like exercising, doing some yoga. Maybe you like to cook. Like, and your time in the kitchen is that time for you. It can be, it can look like anything. Like, we don't have to meditate. No, no, we no. Can, though. It's a really good way to do no, it this.
1: Is. It is. I agree. But we yeah. don't have to. It's,
0: it's, it's not, yeah. It's just whatever it is. Take a bath. Yeah. Just something that's recognizable that your body goes, oh, yeah, I like this. Just to bring you back down to ground zero. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. true. That's so true. Laurie, if you had to give people three or two or three key things they could be doing right now to help themselves, if they, you know, are feeling their gut is not their friend at the moment, where are the two or three things you'd say? Start here. Okay. So really, if you can,
0: I would say do a comprehensive stool test because that's going to tell you, that's going to give you a picture of what's going on in your gut. And you definitely need to have somebody help you interpret that if you don't know how to, but that's really important. Some simpler things you can do is to introduce probiotics into your diet. You know, something like kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, like we were saying, those things are super helpful and super soothing. And there's a chance that that you might be at a point where you're not so far gone and that can just be the ticket for you. Yeah. And another thing that's also, I think, super simple to do is to have vegetables at every meal. Yes. And a lot of people are going to be like, but breakfast. Well, (laughs) breakfast you can have a green smoothie that's super simple um you can have like broccoli and asparagus and onions and tomatoes in your omelet in the morning yeah so and there's a lot of other ways you can do that too you can have like soup from last night for breakfast you can sort of rethink what your breakfast is but that's going to be the most difficult meal for people there they'll be like but vegetables at breakfast i don't understand but yeah Yes. Vegetables at every meal. I think that's gonna raise your intake of vegetables so much, and that could be the ticket for you to to have your gut okay. Because a lot of people, the only reason their gut isn't okay is because they don't have enough vegetables in their diet.
1: Yeah, enough fibers and all the other good stuff that's in mm-hmm. there, and yeah.
0: possibly water as well. Like a lot of people don't drink enough water. We don't realize how much water is necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it it should be like, okay, so I don't know how this translates into kilos, but you can maybe tell me this. For pounds, we have one cup of liquid water per uh, half of, okay, wait. So take your body weight, divide that by two. And then yeah. you have one cup of water for each pound. Yeah. So like if you're 140, oh, ounces, excuse me, not cups, yeah, ounces. ounces. Yeah. So if you're, if you're 140, then yeah. 70 ounces of water every yeah. day. So yeah. for kilos, that's going to be a little different.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. I'd have to work that out. But yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it certainly is. We need to, I think that's a good message to everybody who's listening here. You need to drink Much more water than you think you do. Right. And I love that. It's
0: hard to drink that much water for a lot of people. It's hard.
1: Oh, yeah, it's hard. And that's water, water. That's not other stuff. And then we've got, as you said, probiotics, lots of vegetables. I think, you know, some of the recommendations in the UK of, you know, five servings is nowhere near. Australia has gone to 10 servings of fruit and vegetables a day. And it, That's awesome. And it was. It used to be seven. It used to be five and five. Fr- five veg, two fruit. Now I think it's seven and three. So it, that is awesome, and that I think is a lot closer to what we should be doing. It's hard. It's a lot closer. Uh, I, it's yeah, very hard. But if we count into that, maybe some of the. Good grains and stuff, nuts and seeds. We we might get close.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I mean, if you're doing almost that, you're probably doing you know doing better than so many people. Yeah. And and it can be enough. Like like, don't beat yourself up if that's not what you're doing. All we no. can do is improve.
1: And we can only improve. Mm-hmm. I think that is that is some really good advice there, Laurie. Really <laughs> advice that people couldn't do and get. Started. Yeah. But yes, Laurie, it's been wonderful talking. We could talk and talk and talk. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But where can people get hold of you and learn more about what you do? And and maybe if they feel the need, they want to work with you. Yeah, sure. So my
0: website is LaurieSealy.com. And um, I have uh, an Instagram account. It's called, it's um, at lori Gutsy. I'm also Lori Gutsy on Facebook and um, Lori Seely as well. So my my business account is Lori Gutsy, my personal account is Lori Seely, um, and I also have a podcast called "What's Up Down There." It's about I always said it's about gut health and sex and it's a little bit less about sex now more more about gut health and we talk a lot about stress on there because I mean that's a good one that you brought up it's that's a big part of it yeah so yeah so that's it and then I'm coming up with uh I have a program that I just wrote that's actually um I'm selling it super cheap. It's so, it's so affordable because I want it to get spread out to everybody. I want everybody to do it, yeah. you know? And like, it's like, it's so cheap. You have no excuse not to do it. <laughs> <like>
1: <laughs> That'll be on your website? People will- yeah,
0: it's um, it's not on my website quite yet because my sales page isn't ready. So I have somebody building that for me. So in the next couple of weeks, that'll be ready. And soon it'll be up on my website. It'll be on my Instagram. It'll be on my Facebook. You'll be able to find it.
1: That is wonderful. <laughs> Laurie, I love your enthusiasm and I <laughs> loved having you as a guest. So Thank you so much. I had such a great time, Clarissa. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Laurie. Awesome. Well, I hope you gained as much value from that episode as I did. Candida is something that I've suffered from, and I really empathised with Laurie's story. But I love how a functional medicine approach really turned it around. So changing your diet thinking about the quality of the fruit and vegetables you buy, managing your stress and thus checking your poop are all part of taking more control over your health. We don't have to suffer with candida or IBS. There are ways that we and with the support of qualified people can turn this around. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember we are available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher and anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share. Next week, we're going to be continuing the conversation about nutrition and particularly tailored nutrition for women on their peri to postmenopause journey. Until next time, go well.